praying for Pastor Emily this morning. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this servant that you have blessed us with. We thank you for her willing heart to listen to your call. And Lord, we ask that you might fill her now with your spirit to overflowing so that those of us in this place and those of us in all space can hear your words and can take them in our hearts and ponder them and live them this week. We ask this all in your name alone. Amen. Thanks, Judy. So like Judy said, uh, this is one of the first times I think this is actually my first sermon in front of actual people. Uh, I have preached in this space before, but not to anybody else. Uh, I've recorded some sermons for class. But um, today, I, uh, my name is Emily Hall. Sorry, I'm the, usually the worship coordinator for those of you who are, are watching and, and might not know me. Um, but today, I am filling the pulpit as Pastor Steve is taking a day off. Um, and so uh, thank you. And as I said to a couple people, please don't boo me. Uh, this is my first time. No, I, I think it'll be okay. Uh, today I want to work through a psalm. I thought it was fitting that we wrapped up um, the series on praise and lament a couple weeks ago. And I want to kind of mm, summarize and give a tool um, of holding praise and lament and kind of what that looks like. And so we're going to work through Psalm 55 today. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn there. Otherwise, I think it's going to be on the screen too. I'm going to be reading from the NIRV, which gives us a little bit different phraseology, um, but you can probably still follow along if you have a different version. God, listen to my prayer. Pay attention to my cry of help. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts upset me. I am very troubled. I'm troubled by what my enemies say about me. I'm upset because sinful people stare at me. They cause me all kinds of suffering. When they are angry, they attack me with their words. I feel great pain deep down inside me. The terrors of death are crushing me. Fear and trembling have taken hold of me. Panic has overpowered me. I said, I wish I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and be at rest. I would escape to a place far away. I would stay out in the desert. I would hurry to my place of safety. I would be far away from the winds and storms I'm facing. Lord, destroy the plans of the sinners. Keep them from understanding one another. I see people destroying things and fighting in the city. Day and night they prowl around on top of its walls. The city is full of crime and trouble. Forces that destroy are at work inside. Its streets are full of people who cheat others and take advantage of them. If an enemy were making fun of me, I could stand it. If he were looking down on me, I could hide from him. But it's you, someone like myself. It's my companion, my close friend. We used to enjoy good friendship. As we walked with the crowds at the house of God, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them be buried alive because their hearts and their homes are full of evil. But I call out to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I groan and I cry out and he hears my voice. And even though many enemies are fighting against me, he brings me safely back from the battle. God sits on his throne forever. 
He hears my prayers and he makes my enemies suffer. They never change their ways. They don't have any respect for God. My companion attacks his friends. He breaks his promise. His talk is smooth as butter, but his, he has war in his heart. His words flow like olive oil, but they are swords ready for battle. Turn your worries over to the Lord. He will keep you going. He will never let godly people fall. God, you will bring sinners down to the grave. Murderers and liars won't live out even half their lives. But I trust in you. In our household, we have a lot of crying, right? We have an eight-year-old, an almost seven-year-old, two three-year-olds, and a baby who's about eight months old, Harper. And Harper is probably our, well, I don't know, she's our biggest crier, but she can only cry. That's her only way of communicating other than laughing and cooing. But crying is how she communicates her needs. She has different cries for different needs. If you've been a parent and you remember your kids when they were little and they have just different tones, and if you're in a different room, you can tell what kind of cry they're having, if it's a cry of pain or a cry of frustration or they're fighting with a sibling and oh, they're just angry, they're not hurt, right? Somehow as a parent, we can understand even by hearing our child's cry. And there's something about that. It's that empathetic relationship. It's a core of that relationship God has set up between a child and a parent that I understand you when you cry. And I don't think we ever really grow out of that need to be heard when we cry, right? Even as an adult, we we are soothed, we are healed when a parent or a sibling or a friend hears our cry. And God, our Heavenly Father, is that perfect, empathetic relationship. Now, sometimes when I put Harper in her seat to eat or she starts to fuss and she's in a room and I'm trying to finish up something and I'm like, okay, yeah, Harper, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'll get to you in a second. God doesn't do that. He never dismisses our cry. He never says, yeah, 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 just a second. Let me finish this before I get to you. He always hears us. Psalm 55, along with many of the other psalms, show us that we can lament and hope at the same time, simultaneously, and that it's okay to be sad because of our circumstances. And we hear that. David's words are deep and, and harsh, he has experienced the brokenness of, of some kind of relationship. We hear it in, in what he has to say about this companion, this friend, that things in his life are not the way they used to be. Yet he has hope when he cries out. He trusts God. And David is likely hiding or retreating, but he still has hope. He still points his focus upward. And lament is not just complaining. Lament is rooted in hope right? Hope and trust. But lament doesn't necessarily mean that there's a solution or a plan in place. It's a prayer. It's a prayer stating what's really happening, what's going on, either emotionally or literally. It's being honest. Wishing it wasn't like that. In prayer, the psalmist is reminding himself and us that God has been faithful in the past 
And that is who he is. He is faithful. Even if faithfulness doesn't look the way David expected it to look, I'm sure that he wasn't expecting God's provision to be that he would lose his closest friend in battle or that his children would die tragically before their time. But at the same time, David accepts that the Lord's ways are higher than his ways and that God works in ways that humans are not going to understand. Now, does God keep David's enemies away and take away all adversity from David's life? We read in the book of 2 Samuel that that is absolutely not the case, right? He continues to face adversity even after he becomes king. His own children begin to run after him. And yet he can pair lament and pain and suffering with hope and praise and trust. He's dialing the discs, right? If you've ever been to the eye doctor like me, I have to go to the eye doctor often, uh, but they have those big metal things they put over your face, right? And they click through the discs and they ask, can you see clearer or can you, is this worse or is this clearer? Is this worse or is this clearer? And you're like, oh, that one's clear. Please stop moving them. It makes my eyes hurt, right? So that's what David's doing. He's working through the discs to clarify what's really going on. He's not kidding himself, right? He's not um, replacing the story of reality with something that isn't there. He realizes he's not going to be welcomed back into Saul's court just because. He's embracing reality, but he is dialing the discs to be able to keep his focus and to be able to continue to say, yet God hears my cry. Yet I trust in the Lord. And I think that's part of what we need to recognize right now. We need to tune those discs of clarity. We need to recognize that we need to say what we've lost. We need to be honest and say, this is what I've lost. We need to say the pain we're in or the pain we've experienced. We need to grieve. We need to state what we wish wasn't the case. And we can still turn our eye upward and say, but my hope is in the Lord. And he hears my cry. Because God can handle this messy offering of hope and lament, right? We need to try to embrace both. It might feel like an odd combination to us because our pursuit of wanting control things mean that we like things neat and tidy, right? And not like this confusing mess that hope and lament can feel like. A couple observations about what's going on, right? God did put us in dominion over things of this world. God gave Adam the responsibility of farming and working the land, and that has evolved to how we work and how we steward our time and our resources. God did give us that charge. But in that, because of our brokenness and because of our sin, we try to tweak it and we turn it to control. We try to now control our work and control our time and control other people. And there's a difference between being a manager and being in control over something, right? We've been given the task to manage on God's behalf. But managing, there's a recognition that it still belongs to God. 
In fact, one of our confessions of faith in our denominations is titled, Our World Belongs to God. It's still God's. We are just managing. And I think something that's happened is we're seeing the fragility and recognizing that our man-made structures can quickly fall apart. And so we put this deep security in our ability to micromanage and plan and manipulate and control, and now we are seeing that the foundation and the structure of those things are actually a very fragile foundation. Our foundation is meant to be firm, and it isn't us. We can speak hope. It's our job as the body of Christ to speak hope. Because the whole world has been traumatized, right? So trauma in the Cliff Notes clinical version of the definition is the threat of the loss of life. Every single person on this planet has experienced that. We have no idea where COVID-19 is at any given point. We all have experienced it at some capacity or some level that we have experienced that threat of the loss of life, every single person. And we need to be able to speak to the world that we can do both. We can hold our pain and we can hold our hope because of this story that they talked about earlier, the Morans read. This is the man who was traumatized ultimate threat of death, the ultimate loss of life. He died every believer's death. That's trauma. The night he was murdered, the crucifying violence of the cross is not the end of the story. And we can hold it in our hand, and we should be the people of the world who can, because we rehearse the story. We speak it over and over. We sing it. We bop it. (laughs) We rehearse it. Because this isn't the end. The pain we can hold in one hand, we can also say, but there's hope because there's the resurrection. The grace that comes from God's love is what wins. Pain, violence, trauma, anger, Worry, anxiety, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is God's love. God's love has the final say. Because God's love is what brought the resurrection. Because Jesus is the first fruit of what God promises us. And we can say, there is pain, but there is hope. And I can imagine what my hope lets me see one day, And I don't have to be stuck in my pain. Now, that doesn't negate my pain, right? And that's one thing that us as Christians, we need to be aware of. We cannot negate people's pain. That's not going to bring healing. Healing isn't going to come by us saying, don't feel that way. That's that's silly. Or "You you shouldn't complain about that. I'm not complaining about that. What's wrong with you? Let people hold their own pain. But offer them the invitation of hope right? That's what's going to bring healing in this world. Because the truth is God did not design us to live this way. He does not want us to have a virus and racism that wreak havoc in our world. And we can lament and recognize that 
this isn't the way it should be. And just like David, we can hold both. Right? Can you imagine running for most of your life? Some of you probably can. That's what David is doing. He's probably in his 40s or 50s until he becomes king. And even after that, he still has to run. He has figured out how to be able to say, but I trust in you. And I think part of what's happening now is God is taking this mess that we're seeing and he's pulling apart. And he's showing us that the things that we thought we trusted in and the security we had, they, they don't actually have that much security. And that doesn't mean this isn't hard and that this isn't painful. It absolutely is. David, too, was being refined, and he says, You have tested us, God, and purified us like silver. And purification is a very hard process. Just the other night at a, at a campfire, friends of ours, uh, their son wanted to try to melt a penny because he had seen it done before. He wanted to try to recreate this. So all the cadet men that were around the campfire trying to figure this out for him. Where to put the penny? How hard and how hot the fire had to be? That fire had to be very, very hot. But we got it to melt. But that's just a little bit of the heat that it would take to melt silver. Silver's purification process is liquidation, not just melting. That's hot. So purification is hard. And that's okay for us to say that this mess is ugly and it's hard. I don't understand it. Yet, God hears my cry. Because God is on his throne. He isn't a micromanager. He doesn't come in. If you've ever seen the Lego movie, my kids love the Lego movie. Uh, the first one where Lord Business says, send in the micromanager. And here come the micromanagers, and they put everybody in its place, and then they put the glue, the crazy glue, the craggle, so that no one can move. That's not how God operates. He loves us, and out of his love, he did give us this authority and this dominion over this world. But right now, we're experiencing the effect of the brokenness where that authority and that dominion has been demented and tweaked one step too far, five steps too far. Yet God hears our cries. Yet God is still doing something even if we don't feel it or we don't see it. He's working, right? Like the song Waymaker says, even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it, you're working. And right now we, we have to learn to be okay with kind of sitting in this space where we are confident in the Lord. We trust him. Just like when Harper, I, she cries and she wants to be fed and I put her in her chair, she's prepared, she's ready, she's in the space to eat. I have never just left her in the chair to not eat. So she knows, I am in my chair, I am in the space, I am ready to eat. I trust that my mom or my dad are going to feed me. We can learn to trust, to sit in that space. Because, brothers and sisters, even if the structure of this world fall apart, the kingdom of God will not. And we can trust him. In his working, in his lordship, in him being God, not in us being God. 
And if we're honest, I think, I think that's some of what we're mourning right now, right? We're grieving that we're not in control as we thought we were. We're not as organized as we thought we were. We aren't uh, insecure in our plans as we thought we were, and we're realizing how ungodlike we actually are. And David has this litany of things that he just wants God to address. He wants God to fix. He's got broken relationships. He has pain. He says, I feel great pain deep down inside me. The terrors of death are crushing me. Fear and trembling have taken a hold of me. Panic has overpowered me. I wish I could fly away. So he has this list of things he's just, he wants God to fix. But at the end of it, he says, but I trust in you. Because through it all, we can trust and put our hope in God because he is a God who hears our cry. Let's pray. Lord, you are a good, good father, even when we don't understand what you're doing. And many of us probably feel that way right now. Lord, we don't fully understand. But help us in our lament. Help us to be able to figure out how to hold both our lament and our praise, to be able to say, I hate this, but I trust you. Lord, lead us in the path of healing, that we would not negate our own pain, that we would not dismiss other people's pain or experience, but that we would let others hold the pain, but invite them to embrace hope. Lord, would you guide us to be agents of healing and change in this world? Would you remind us of the story of the cross where trauma and grace meet? And may we rehearse it in our hearts and with our mouths so that we can tell people our Savior has experienced trauma. He is the empathetic relationship that you might need in your life. God, we thank you for the cross, that you have given us hope. You have given us the sight of resurrection. Help us to reimagine the story and to embrace that God's love always has the final say. You are good, and I trust in you.